0: Destroy hotline. Alicia, Michael,
2: what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant
3: line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full.
0: Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can
3: I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave line.
2: can't believe usd has hired lincoln riley oh yeah hello everybody welcome back to rain of Troy radio episode 475 coming to you on monday february 20th it is president's day and of course we're going to talk about all about the president reggie bush actually we're not but We should. That would be a great episode uh, topic that we completely dropped the ball on. Uh, No, we're going to talk about Big Ten rivalries for the Trojans, some potential college football rule changes, and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts right here on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast. Uh, As always, you can email us, reinoftroy at fansire.com. I'm your host, Mario Castillo, journalist, my co-host here in the Rancher Studio in Los Angeles, Elisa D'Aretola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back on a holiday week. Uh, a couple of weeks until spring camp starts. Things are starting to uh, to heat up. We've got our uh, our membership now live over on YouTube, which we're super excited about. You can join us on YouTube. Uh, you get uh, extra content, uh, at least one thing a month during the offseason, including this week, we're going to post our first uh, members-only video. We're, we're super pumped about that. So uh, join us over on the YouTube. Um, you can support the show for 99 cents, and you get uh, some special badges and emojis in the chat. Uh, or for four ninety-nine, you can join our uh, super secrets. Not really super secret, but super exclusive. Super exclusive. There you go. Uh, members-only Discord channel along with uh, members-only content. Uh, about once a month in the off season, but let's be real. If there's breaking news, probably going to hop on and say something in the middle of the week. Um, And then once we get to the regular season, it's going to be, you know, something new every week over there on the, uh, the membership side. So you can join us for four 99 and join the rot squad, which is the name of what we're calling our membership. So uh, come join us over on YouTube, help support the channel uh, and so much more. Um, Alicia, I am super excited um, to get going on an episode like this because we get to talk about potential things like uh, the future with the the Big Ten.
3: Yeah, which is coming up very quickly. And it's it's weird to think that this is the last season of Pac-12 football that USC will take part in. And I I don't think my brain has really caught up to that fact yet. And I'm curious when my brain will catch up to that fact. I mean, I guess the more that we talk about the Big Ten potential scheduling situation, uh, once the, all of that kind of stuff gets finalized, maybe it'll be real. But, you know, we were doing some prep for the episode today and i was sort of looking at it thinking to myself, like, USC is going to be in a conference with Purdue next year.
2: Yeah, that's it's it's still wild to me to, to think about. Like, it doesn't necessarily seem real yet. <laughs> Uh, I don't know when it's going to. I guess when SC starts uh, starts playing with, uh, you know, Purdue and Indiana and Illinois on a on a weekly basis when SC has to go uh, play in the snow potentially. Who knows? I don't know. Um, we were going to put this at the end, but I just kind of want to get to it right off. Let's just go to an email we got from John in Oakland that says, Hello, Alicia and Michael. I've seen reports that the Big Ten won uh, – once SC and UCLA join next year, may go to a three-six-six format for scheduling conference games. Each team plays three teams every season as rivalry games, protected rivalry games. Uh, and the other 12 t- teams are set into uh, blocks of six and rotated over a four-year span. Six on, six off, six on, six off. Uh, given UCLA will be one of USC's three permanent rivals, who would your other two Big Ten rivals for USC be and why? Mine are Northwestern and Michigan State. Northwestern is another private school university, sort of replacing Stanford. And if scheduled to alternate road games or alternate road home games with with Notre Dame, it would give USC an annual trip to Chicago. Michigan State would set up a fun mascot war: Spartans versus Trojans. What are your thoughts, John in Oakland? Uh, I saw this email this this past week, and I was super pumped. I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm curious your thoughts.
3: Ooh, okay, my thoughts are that I went in and sort of tried to set up, uh, I, I looked at some of, of the sort of parameters around setting up these rivalries, and I looked at it and sort of tried to put some thought behind it and then realized, like, this is this is going to be very fascinating to see what the Big Ten ultimately decides here because there are a lot of teams that are going to have a say in this, and it's hard to predict what those teams are, what strategy those teams are going to take uh, in terms of deciding these protected rivals, because there's a really easy answer to this. It's USC protected rivals, um, UCLA, Ohio state, and Michigan. And then you have mega blockbuster matchups every single year in the big 10. And you're feeling good about that and all that kind of stuff. But then I sort of sat back and thought, well, from a USC perspective, that's, I don't know that I would sign up for that because now you're locked in every single year playing the marquee teams in the, in the, um, in the big 10. That that's a, that's a murderer's row uh, to sign up for to do every single year. And if you're Ohio state, you're sort of looking at it from the same perspective. I went in and looked So Ohio state's protected rival is Michigan, obviously, and then there's a really strong argument to have Ohio State be in a be blocked in with Penn State because of how good that matchup has been in terms of TV dollars and TV eyeballs. So you go Penn State for Ohio State, and then what? You throw USC in there, and then Ohio State's really going to sit there and say, yeah, we're going to sign up to play Michigan, Penn State, and USC every year when we're trying to get into the college football playoff. Um, you do the same thing with Michigan. When, when If you're Michigan and you're saying, okay, I have – a rivalry game with Ohio state and Michigan state every year. And the third one is going to be USC. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's, I don't know if those, if those schools are going to be okay with that. Now the dollars are huge. I get it. And I think dollars are usually the thing that governs these things. So maybe it is as simple as what matchups will get the most eyeballs and dollars every year. But I think there will be pushback from programs like Ohio state, like Michigan, who maybe don't want to stack their, their schedule in that way. Um, And I think there's, there's a very good argument for, for that part of it. Part of that sort of thinking is why I think John in Oakland is on the right track in that if you get matched up with Northwestern and Michigan state, you're not playing teams that are in and out every year, going to be the most well-funded and the most, competitive Mm -hmm. but you have other reasons behind it like i immediately looked at northwestern and thought if usc plays northwestern and they alternate uh, notre dame and 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 northwestern with the road game you get a yearly trip to chicago that's great like i think that's for usc fans that's legit um there are other sort of schools that you could look at and you know do you do rutgers and sort of do a new york uh a, a new york feel like do you do Uh, some of these other programs with that sort of thing in mind. I think there is a lot of different scenarios that you can make a good argument for. When I went in and sort of did mine, I kind of settled in on Nebraska and Wisconsin make a lot of sense to me. Um, Penn State makes a lot of sense to me. But the way that I sort of figured it is if I'm the Big Ten, I take Nebraska and Penn State and I match them each with USC and UCLA, one each. So I personally went with Penn State taking UCLA, and I went with Nebraska taking USC because those are the newer entrants to the Big Ten um, that have name recognition that could really forge some some a really strong bond um, in terms of of uh, the sort of fan bases and rivalry sort of things um, that make a lot of sense. And then I was sort of thinking, yeah, you could do Wisconsin because if if you were gonna keep the divisions in place, and you were looking at like the big 10 East or well, Sorry, the big 10 West, whatever you want to call it. Um, USC and Wisconsin look like they could be, they, they would have been sort of the powers over there anyways. And Wisconsin's another program with really good sort of storied history that you could play off of each other without it being a, every year you're going to have to beat the Buckeyes in order to do anything in the, in the conference. So that was sort of the way that I was looking at it. I love the Northwestern Michigan state deal. I think you could just as easily make the argument for um, Nebraska and Wisconsin. You could easily make an argument for Penn state and Wisconsin or Nebraska and Penn state. Mm -hmm. Um, You could, I I mean, uh, I was having a conversation with you. If I'm USC, I'm signing up for Rutgers and Maryland or something like that. Just on the pure sense of, I want my, my (laughs) locked in rivals to be, easy wins every year as much as possible. So like you can even make the argument for that with no other good reason uh, behind, behind making those, those matchups. It really is a free for all. And I, and I don't know how, you know, the way that you'd have to solve this almost is like by doing a, a, a model UN where you have each, every one of us is like assigned a school that we are, doing their interests (laughs) and then working out like who would you all want to play and like write down on a write down on a sheet of paper like what are your top five choices and then pair them up that way uh which may be what they end up doing in the big 10 i just can't i can't predict what like maryland's what is maryland's rooting interest in all of this like what does maryland have to say about who that they get rivaled up with
2: yeah i I think the the difficult thing here is you can't you can't have everyone's needs met um, because we think of these as rivalries. But I think the important thing is not to think of them as rivalries. Think of them as games that will happen every year. Yeah. Because some of these are, are you know, if you're a school like Michigan and you have the Ohio state rivalry, which has to be protected uh, and you have the Michigan state in-state rivalry that you would su- assume has to be protected and you have multiple trophy games like you know, little Brown Jug, old Oak and bucket, and all those kind of things, right that you want protected as well. It means that the the schools that don't have those things are going to have to have games to sort of counteract that. And SC UCLA, Maryland, Rutgers, uh, and Penn State, the the five schools that have, you know, along with Nebraska that have six schools that have come in in the last 30 years. Uh, dating back to what 91 when Penn state joined the conference really kind of have to make up for those numbers. Right. And well, I think Penn state is a, is a interesting candidate here because they joined the conference after being um, after being independent for so long. Right. And they've sort of created a rivalry with Ohio state. They've created a rivalry with Michigan state. Uh, The, the, they play for what the land grant trophy they're both land grant universities and they have those two rivalries. Right. But I think in a, in a perfect world, you'd like to see uh, them have a rivalry with Rutgers and Maryland because of geography. Right. And because they're, they're like like-minded in terms, I mean, not necessarily like-minded, but they're similar in how they join the conference late, etc. Right. But again, you only get three of those games and, I think it's, I think it's difficult to put all this together. Like, you know, we started to write down who the teams would be that, that kind of match up with everybody. And while I think it's easy to say that, you know, Michigan should play Ohio state, Michigan state and Minnesota um, because those are historic rivalries. I don't know what you do with a lot of the other teams Um, in in the, in the chat. um, uh, Ito says three rivalries being UCLA, Iowa, and Nebraska. Iowa because they're two completely different cultures that would sell the rivalry, or and Nebraska because this, the distance isn't so bad and they're both blue blo- blue bloods, but again I got to go back to you have to consider those the other teams and what they're going to want as well, right? Like well, and, and what
3: Iowa is already stricken off the the board for USC because they have three protected rivalries in the Big Ten already, right?
2: Yeah, and, and so I think it, I think it makes it you know super difficult and those rivalries being you know the rivalries with wisconsin and with nebraska right and so Minnesota. Like, yeah and so i i think it makes it a little bit difficult john's idea i think is probably right and i i well the the rationale i think makes a lot of sense uh you have the the like-minded um uh secular private schools sc and, and northwestern um in major you know cities i think that makes a lot of sense um plus you get to you know the the Chicago alumni group for SC is it's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you strengthen that with an annual game in Chicago. Mind you, we're going to be in Chicago a lot when you consider that, you know, if SC goes to play Illinois, where are you going to fly into? Yeah. You're flying into O'Hara Midway. If SC goes to play Purdue, where are you flying into? O'Hara Midway. Like all these schools, you're going to be Chicago adjacent, anyways. Um, but on top of that, I think that Northwestern is one of the schools where I think that it's sort of difficult for them to fill out the three as well. And that's kind of the key for SC and UCLA to find those schools who it's going to be difficult for them to fill out the three. So I think the candidates, um, end up being Northwestern Michigan state as a, like outside possibility, um, Penn State is extreme outside possibility again, but to me, this is going to be Northwestern, Nebraska, Rutgers, or Maryland. Those, I think, are realistically the teams that SC could get paired up with and UCLA. Like, SC and UCLA is sort of right here in the same boat because, you know, they don't have the connections to these schools either. I, and yeah, the- You know, if you talk to an SC fan who, who's the biggest rival in the Big Ten, everyone's going to say oh, Ohio State and Michigan, but... You know, to to your point earlier, I don't think the Big Ten wants all the blue bloods to play each other in the regular season. You want those teams to, you know, play in the in the conference championship game at the end. Yeah, and then you also want them to be in in the playoff. Uh, you know, in in the in the chat, Ito says with with a twelve team playoff facing Ohio State and Michigan every year won't be as bad if we lose a game to them yearly since there's more spots in the playoff. But okay, consider that you're the you're the conference okay, if SC and Ohio State play every year and Ohio State also has to play, you know, Penn State and Michigan as well, then if they play fewer, then you can potentially get two or three of those teams in rather than just one, um, et cetera. It's it's about maximizing the the opportunities for for revenue, right? Yeah,
3: if Ohio State and USC play each other every year, then they can knock each other out of the playoff every year in the sense that, like, you you have a situation where, you know, Michigan and Ohio State and USC are all sort of giving each other losses that they wouldn't otherwise give each other. You don't want that. Even in the even with the 12 team playoff, because with a 12 team playoff, now your now your deal is we want to get three teams in. Right. Um, yeah. And exactly. or, or four teams even. And so handing some handing one of your four best teams an extra loss every year. This is the argument against the nine team conference schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. In the Pac-12, everyone, uh, half of the conference loses an extra game every year, and uh, and you know there there's certain certain things that you you can't necessarily control about like who's going to win and who's going to lose, but you certainly want uh, you want your best potential teams, the ones that are going to invest the most in football and care the most about winning in football. You want you do want to give them the leg up, like that's just the way that college football works. So again it's there's going to be a push and pull between the pure money talk about a yearly Ohio State USC matchup and the competitive like okay you're going to then make it harder for each of those teams to get to the playoff every year sort of conversation and yeah maybe i i think those conversations will be had and i think it's entirely possible that the Big 12 the Big 10 agrees with with Ito on this in the sense of like But with twelve teams, it doesn't matter. We want that marquee matchup every year. Yeah, I think it's entirely possible. Uh, But I think it's just as possible that Ohio State sits there and go like, nah. Well, I think the we're gonna play USC every four years anyways. So it's not like it's not like it's not like you're never gonna see. But it's not every
2: four years; it's every other year. It's every other. year. that's the other thing that you
3: play home and away within a four year span every. every Yeah,
2: which is why I think that we need to think about these as these are just games that will happen every year versus just calling them protected rivalries because for some teams they are protected rivalries. Yes. But for SC and UCLA who don't have the connection to say Purdue. Yeah. Then it might just be that you play Purdue every year instead of every other year. Like that doesn't necessarily make it a rivalry. It's just for logistical reasons because somebody had to play Purdue every year. You're just more
3: likely to form a rivalry with a team that you're playing every year, but you're right. That doesn't mean that you can't have rivalries outside of these well, look at, look at the Pac-12 Yeah. Right? It's not like USC and Oregon stopped being rivals because they were on different sides of the, of the PAC 12.
2: But these division. things exist in the PAC 12, like yeah. right, right now, as it stands, uh, the it's whole a three team. Yeah. SC and, and, and Cal, sorry, SC and UCLA play Stanford and Cal every year. That was protected. Yeah. But in order to make that happen, Oregon and Arizona have to play every year. Yeah. Right. Like there's like, Every team and in the North and South have protected
3: and they've sort of formed a, a weird competitive rivalry too. like these things just sort of form. But I think you are on the right on the right track in the sense of you grab the teams that you're not going to be disrupting any historic rivals. yes, and you throw them together with USC and UCLA and you shake it up and you see which, which way it falls. Like I think that's the the because I was looking at uh, the athletic had a, a thing about how this might all shake out. Um, and they were, they had a list of like the rivalries that have been played the most, like the most games. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you, like, it's funny because Penn state and Ohio state have one of the better rivalries in the big 10 right now, but they've played the fewest number of times.
2: Yeah. Cause uh, Penn state was independent they're, until they're, 91. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. So like, it doesn't always work that way in terms of just pure longevity, but you're going to want to maintain some of those longer, longer lived rivalries and take some of the this is this is sort of why I settled on you know Nebraska makes a lot of sense Penn State makes a lot of sense
2: yes um I I think if it wasn't here's a question for you if it did not affect anybody else SC gets their first three selections full stop who are you picking like you nobody else matters you get full power who are those three teams you're picking
3: Am I USC's athletic director or am I US, a USC fan when I'm making this choice?
2: I don't know. You can go either way.
3: Because if I'm the athletic director whose job is to make sure that my program is as, is as uh, successful as possible in terms of scheduling, I pick up Rutgers and Maryland like there's no tomorrow. Um, or Rutgers and, and Northwest. Actually, it's probably North, Northwestern and Rutgers. Just out just of straight... They're not going to be highly, heavily invested in football, mm-hmm. so the chances of them being a juggernaut at any point during our during our rivalry are lower. And there is um, spectator travel consideration with Northwestern and Chicago and Rutgers and New York. So totally. those yeah. those are the first two. If I'm a USC fan, picking, give me Ohio State and Michigan, and like <laughs> like Ida says, like. He's he's uh they they say they're being selfish by wanting marquee matchups every yeah I'm with you like yes I I agree I think from a fan perspective those are the ones you want Uh, yeah from a from a purely like we get to watch those games every year but from a pragmatic perspective you take the teams that don't care about football as much because then you don't have to worry about them as much
2: yeah I I think from a football perspective in terms of like a football tradition perspective i i think you want ohio state or michigan and you probably want nebraska as the other one because nebraska we can we can say it's close i mean what is i the other thing is what is like uh 1600 miles versus uh 2200 miles or whatever it is right <laughs> like i don't think yeah. it's i don't think we're an hour of flight time and doesn't completely change everything. When you've been on
3: a plane for a few hours, though, another hour does feel like a
1: lot.
2: Sure. I mean, the other thing is what's the difference between SC and, uh, or LA and Lincoln versus LA and Pullman, not completely different.
3: Yeah. But Nebraska is a really good case study too. Of There's sort of a sweet spot between the two sides that I was getting at there. Where you get a program with inherent disadvantages, a a a storied program with inherent disadvantages on the recruiting trail Mm -hmm. and in in NIL spaces. And those are the ones you attach yourself to. You (laughs) attach yourself to the to the Nebraskas and the Wisconsins of the world because while they care about football, while they might invest a lot, they will always be in an inherent recruiting an nil disadvantage to recruiting to lincoln and to recruiting to I,
2: if you're nebraska you are doing everything you possibly
3: can to get usc sc
2: recruiting ucla pitch. and then like keep your like iowa or nebraska well, or wisconsin the, rivalry
3: what be- was their recruiting be- pitch a few years ago cali cali or something like that yes
2: because of Dante williams yeah yeah but no i'm saying like don't you want to do the Notre Dame thing where Notre Dame plays SC and Stanford? That's fair. And so that way they can end every season in California. It's a huge rivalry thing. I mean, a recruiting thing for them. Right. Um,
3: so Nebraska would get Iowa, USC and
2: UCLA. It, ideally, if you're in Nebraska, I think that's what you want because then you can, cause they no longer go to Texas anymore. And that used to be the hallmark of their recruiting efforts was being able to recruit Texas. They can't do that, And that's part of the reason why it's kind of you know, really hurt them to go to the Big Ten. They had these these hopes and dreams of going to the big Ten, and they realized, oh shoot, we now we can't can't recruit Texas the same way. Uh, and then on top of that, they've made bad coaching decisions or they've made coaching decisions that just haven't panned out. Like like Frost was one that just didn't pan out, right? But so I don't know. I, I think I think it's gonna yeah. be interesting to see how everything comes together with the schedule lane. Um, let us know send us an email com, where we can continue this discussion later on or hit us up over on discord if you're in the rot squad as well um, we see a lot of st- stuff to still get to on this episode including uh, some news Let's let's go run down the news a little bit you see, you know the only good thing about football season being over?
3: There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall.
2: See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That
3: is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins.
2: Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn ten bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, picks lets you get on the action on more than thirty states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match
3: up to one hundred dollars. That's the PrizePix app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up, up to one hundred dollars.
0: Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
1: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
2: Let's start with Eric Gentry, has had surgery on his ankle and will miss spring camp, uh, but should be ready come the fall.
3: Yeah, I think it goes to show um, the situation with Eric Gentry and the defense and the situation and just linebacker play in general
1: mm-hmm. that
3: even though Eric Gentry was back on the field, clearly he was not at 100%. 100% we knew this. But uh, it was probably worse than we even thought in terms of of the ankle. If if he had to come out of the, the season, have a month of, of relative rest on that ankle and still get to a point where they needed to surgically repair it um, before spring camp. So number one... It's good that it's getting taken care of in the spring and uh, he gets to, to sort of go through that rehab and be ready to go for, for fall camp. But number two, it is a bummer because he is still a young player that needs time in the system and all of those learning reps, losing those is, is unfortunate. It's a huge, massive, major opportunity for someone like uh, Tackett Curtis because Tackett Curtis was already coming in with this sort of mystique around him that he could come in and start immediately for USC, just based on his sort of feel for the game and his, his ferocity on the, on the football field. Him getting to come in and step into extra reps, presumably, uh, during spring camp. Um, we think Mason Cobb will be a, a plug-and-play starter, but the person next to him, we would have assumed it would have been Eric Gentry, Tackett Curtis, it's, it's hard to think of who among the, the rest of the inside linebackers is going to get in the way of him seeing a lot of first-team reps in spring. So this could be a huge, huge situation um, just for the competition that comes around in fall camp uh, yeah. with Tackett Curtis having a spring under his belt that Eric Gentry didn't get to have.
2: Yeah, it, it, as much as you, know, you want to see Eric Gentry be able to take the, the next step and continue to develop and all that, Especially when there's you know thoughts that he could you know maybe move positions or or whatnot and and really see what he can you know develop into. I like this opportunity for Tackett Curtis, uh, what what Mason Cobb can 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 do at linebacker and and see all those those different components with the transfer portal and the incoming guys, see what you can get out of it. Um, at the same time, SC obviously you want Gentry to be one of your best players but I think we saw last year SC kind of put the hope in things will be better once Eric Gentry comes back. Obviously not. It was not the case, which means that the problems on defense are way bigger than Eric Gentry. So as much as this is a, you know, key injury, um, there's still plenty of places to improve that, you know, SC can still find a lot of areas to, uh, to improve over on defense. Uh, one of the areas that SC is looking to improve off the field uh, is with NIL stuff. And there's now a new USC NIL collective launched by a certain guy named Keyshawn Johnson. You ever heard of him?
3: May have come up one or, once or twice. How about Alex
2: Holmes? Heard of that guy?
3: Mm, maybe once or twice.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, Keyshawn and Alex Holmes, obviously USC football alums, uh, but they've teamed up with a bunch of investors, including uh, John uh, Uh, Thurzian, Dave Stromberg, uh, Avi Chassad, and Michael Hahn. Um, Various uh, backgrounds from hospitality uh, to management to uh, investors and entrepreneurs. Um, Caleb Williams is also partnering with them and USC is on board, unlike previously with the uh, student body rights uh, collective that uh, started and then stopped when uh, the
3: leader passed away. Yeah, it's it, the difference in the sort of approach uh, or, or in, in USC's approach to these two different NIL collectives is really interesting because they were they seemed very just like, no, 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 with student body right, which, by the way, much better name. Uh, still haven't figured out why the Tommy group Tommy is all caps. Maybe we'll get an explanation on at some point on that. Uh, student body right. Better name. But it seems that the Tommy group has a better approach in terms of playing. You don't know know what it
2: stands for the one money
3: making YOLOers. Youngsters. Youngsters. There you go. The one money making youngsters. Yeah. Yeah, The only money making youngsters. The only money making youngsters. There we go. I like it. I like it. Um, But it looks like they're, they're, they're sort of approached this thing. It, it seems a lot more smoother. Uh, they, I think, Lincoln Riley and like a bunch of people from USC were at their like launch party and stuff like that. So clearly, the university is is behind this one, even though it's not university run like uh, Boulevard
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: has been. So this Boulevard is a, no more, by the way. Which yeah, apparently it's like a name change or something, or sort of a rebrand mm-hmm. on Boulevard. So we'll see what they we'll see what they come up with on that front. You're
2: the end of the road for that one, right?
3: The end of the road for that one, yeah. Um, Either way, USC having an alumni-driven NIL collective uh, is a good thing. And anyone who wants to help fund USC's NIL dealings in a way that's not going to get the NCAA on USC's back is something to absolutely welcome. And just you want to see USC continue to be competitive in the NIL space. So this is only a good thing uh, so long as they stay within the boundaries of (laughs) whatever it is that the NCAA has decided you can and cannot do with regard to NIL. We, I don't know that we all know that at this point. So it's sort of, everybody's been walking on eggshells, but it's nice to see that uh, that this group is coming together. And these are some big names. I mean, when Caleb Williams was getting, recruited to USC out of the transfer portal. Uh, you guys might recognize John Terzian's name. He's the the sort of co-founder of the H. Wood group. The, the like, uh, what's it? Uh, Bootsy. Um, what's it He's got a bunch of nightclubs and stuff. And one of them, they have a, a, a space in SoFi Stadium. They have, like, one of the clubs down on field level is is basically owned by this guy and run by this guy and so like when usc was when caleb williams was in los angeles getting sort of wined and dined to see if he would come to usc like these were the names that were were being talked about h wood and all of that kind of stuff is like the power brokers that were making sure that caleb williams was going to come to usc so these are the guys you got to have working to make sure that uh that people are are being funded
2: yeah absolutely uh boulevard um I like Tommy is a name much better than should body writer Boulevard. Like we talked about before, by the way, Boulevard and Avenue, you know, the difference
3: between the two. Is it like an, uh, orientation like East, West, North, South. Kind of uh,
2: a lot. There is a lot of that in like the LA region. Yes, but not, it's not a hard and fast rule. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, that's very minimal, but, uh, no, the, the important thing like in France, Boulevard is a has a median and an avenue has trees on the side
3: oh okay more more I know. I know.
2: anyways uh deuce robinson we got a little bit of an update with with deuce robinson the five-star tight end out of pinnacle high in phoenix uh the the pretty much the only guy who hasn't the only major commit that hasn't or a recruit that hasn't signed um since signing day began the signing uh window. Uh, he has had his crystal ball flipped from Blair and of 24 seven sports from Georgia, the national two time defending national champion to
3: USC. Yeah, pretty good. And USC has been, been working to try and get him. He's a, a really, really outstanding tight end that uh, obviously major, major programs are going after everyone wants him. Uh the big question remains when will he sign? When will he make a decision about where he's going and what will it looks like when he decides he is going to, to join a college football program? Cause apparently the MLB draft might be calling and uh, MLB teams are looking at him. Uh, so this could get, uh, this could get complicated. So the saga will continue, but a crystal ball in USC's favor is always very, very good at this stage.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Everyone knows that if you follow USC, any any amounts, you know that people always clamor for tight ends. You especially, so uh, getting getting a big five star would be would be huge. for Although Essay, I was so,
3: I was just having a conversation with my dad who was asking about like, are we going to see tight ends use more? And I'm like, listen, I love tight ends. I really do. Like, few things make me happier than seeing a tight end catch a uh, catch pass up the seam, but also like USC averaged 40 plus points a game yeah, and they have a million wide receivers who are all very good. Like I know that everyone wants the tight end to be used, but I don't think it's a storyline that I, I don't know that I'm going into this season thinking, yeah, the thing that USC really needs to do is start using tight ends more. It's like, yeah, tight ends need to sort of, the tight ends that USC has on the roster need to sort of demand to be used
2: well like like i told your dad like the the thing with sc right now the way everything is if you have a tight end um a really good tight end i think he will absolutely be used in the passing game it will just be in lieu of a slot receiver yes and the slot receivers exist sort of in lieu of the tight ends it's the same role uh we we you know We saw it three, four years ago with Drake London when he started under Graham Harrell, right? As a a true freshman. Uh, We talked about it then. He sort of plays like a tight end, like a a split wide tight end. And I think that's pretty much what you're going to see out of someone who ends up being a tight end with the exception of they're going to line up as an H-back as well. Yeah. To, to uh, block from, from you know, on occasion.
3: 24-7 Sports has a comparison for Deuce, Wall- for Deuce Robinson to Darren Waller of the Oakland Raiders. Well, of the Las Vegas. They have to say Oakland Raiders. Weird. Of the Vegas Raiders. Uh, if he lives up to that comparison, yes, mm-hmm. he will absolutely be involved in USC's offense under Lincoln Riley. Yeah. But, yeah. but when it comes down to it, when you've got guys – like USC has, where they already have enough trouble spreading the wealth around the wide receiver room to make everybody happy, like, you know, at a certain point, you can't complain about the tight ends.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's finish the news here by talking about some new rule changes for college football. Everyone's favorite, certainly my favorite offseason talking point uh, the rules the rule proposals this time uh, designed to speed up games because people don't like how long games are. People, people want like less football, football for some reason. Yeah. Yes. Um, the rule changes um, prohibit consecutive timeouts, i.e., no more icing with multiple timeouts. So you can't call multiple timeouts on the same play. I I, I think that's fair. That's fair. I, I no no problem here. Yeah. Save one timeout for your icing. You don't need to do it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, no more untimed downs before the end of the first or third quarter. If it ends on a defensive penalty, the new down just gets played in the next quarter.
3: Seems uh, seems fair. That's, I, that's fine. Yeah.
2: Because I don't, I don't know how often. Uh, how that often happens. is that going to be in effect?
3: That, that's my thing about that, that particular minimal. one. That, like, okay, I'm not opposed, but also does there need to be a rule change for the thing that happens maybe a handful of times a season across all of the games? Right. Like, I, okay, I, change the rule. That's fine. Yeah, I Don't don't, don't care. Save a few seconds. That's fine. Whatever.
2: All right. Keep the clock running after the first down except inside the two minutes before the half. So, in other words, the sanctity of college football will remain for the last two minutes of the half with the clock stopping on first down. This could eliminate uh, seven to nine plays per game, it's expected.
3: Yeah. um...
2: Mind you, a lot of these things uh, come with the mindset of reducing time uh, for the speed of games, but also uh, there is some suggestions of, Doing this to improve player safety, viewer plays, which let me just say, I think that is an absolute like meat shield for these things.
3: <laughs> I just love, I love the the player safety element of. We're if they actually the care about plays, player safety, they they do other things. If they cared about player safety, they wouldn't have have. Fifteen games a year potentially for for teams. Like, yeah, if if you're so concerned about player safety, then don't. You'd have two bye weeks built in automatically. You would you would have it mandated that you can't play more than five games in a row without a break. Yes,
2: maxing in the middle of the week couldn't happen. Like, you know what I mean? There'd be there There would be things. You
3: have to have seven. You have to have uh, six. You have to have a full six days of rest before any any games are played like exactly again it's taking seven plays away
2: yeah is gonna that's your player safety help yeah Yeah, okay Mm -hmm. sure no you just want more time to sell ads yeah let's be honest here um okay last one is keep the clock running after an incomplete pass once the ball is spotted for play this could eliminate 15 plus plays per game get the hell out of here with this (laughs) Well, so I I assume this means not in the final two minutes. Also,
3: I I didn't see anything because if so, to that. then then what
2: happens to a spike ball?
3: Yeah, the 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 final two minutes thing would be. A, it's my understanding that we have laid these out in the order in which they are most likely to be approved. So the first two are so simple, no one has anything against them. Whatever, they're probably just going to get approved. The third one is sort of uncertain. The fourth one, I don't think is going to get passed. Because when you look at it, you just go like that's that ch- that's going to change the entire sort of th- the entire strategic way of playing a football game uh, I, I,
2: I i i I don't know that it would change everything. it will just like it 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 kills clock to kill clock. And yeah. it's like, okay, so you just want less football. Yes. Don't we all like football? We like That's... watching football. Why do we want less of it? Well, see, I will never is... understand this argument that there's too much of the game that we like. Like What
3: what doesn't what? make sense what what doesn't make sense to me is it's always college football is too long compared to the NFL. But then you look at like some of the numbers. I can't stand
2: NFL games. NFL games cuz they, they you know, run
3: like four plays in the whole game. No, but NFL games on average are three hours and ten minutes long. Yes. On average, FBS games are three hours and twenty-one minutes long. Yes. That's an and, average and of eleven extra like, minutes, and a, a college football has a has a, a, a half time more place has a halftime Longer that's halftime. almost twice as long. Yes. So, like, if you want to lose those ten minutes in average game time, then go to the NFL twelve minute halftime but no one does. You're not going to do that because you want the halftime shows and all this kind of stuff, whatever. Right. But like, I I just, I don't, I don't understand why. And then, and then there's like the numbers for the, there's 180 plays averaged in FBS games with 155 in NFL games. Yeah. And that's what's wrong with the NFL. There's too few plays, but I don't think that has a lot to do with the amount of time that a game is played in. No, I think mostly that has to do with in college, up tempo offenses are just more common. People right. tend to run up tempo. That's yes. why that that accounts. And like, for like you the... said,
2: there, there's eight minutes built in uh, at, at at halftime. There, there's also the two minute warning. Um, so if you yeah. want to include another eight minute, you know, a, you know how how much does that get milked? Uh, you know, we're we're almost at like you know, 12, 15 minutes that get, that are the difference right there. Like, I, I don't know.
3: Uh, I just, I keep going back to whatever change, change, whatever rules, if you want to reduce time, but like, but also I I happen to like college football and I don't care how long a game (laughs) takes. If it's entertainment now, if you wanted to do some sort of mercy rule timing situation where like if if one team is up by more than 20 points, then you go with a running clock or something like that. Yes. By all means, do it. I don't care. But like if a game is competitive, I don't want fewer plays manufactured in because someone wrote down in a rule book at some point yes. that we need less of this good thing.
2: Right. If it's know. a if it's a four possession game, then the running clock is like automatic. Yeah, S- something whatever, like
3: uh, like, something like that. Yeah, and if and if games are going too long in general, like do like what what F one does and put a stop clock on, put a put a you have to finish this game within within four hours. No, like, no that is know. the
2: the worst <laughs> suggestion of all time. It's, it kills me that that even exists. <laughs> I just, I just. The worst part of Formula One. It just feels like they're
3: trying to fix things that I. Who are these people who are complaining about game length? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's the. I guess it's when you have eight o'clock. The TV partners are the
2: only thing that makes sense. Yeah,
3: I mean, I get. I guess the the constant complaint we hear is that if you have like a seven thirty p.m. or an eight o'clock start, and then the game goes till midnight, whatever. Like, okay, whatever. And uh, my
2: constant argument will be there's how many SC home games? is there are going to be six or seven. Yeah. There's six or seven Saturdays in the
3: entire year.
2: You can, you can Maybe. make an extra 20 minutes in your six or seven Saturdays. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah. And that's assuming that all six or seven of USC's home games start a, at, at, at closer to, to eight o'clock, which right. the vast majority of them do not. So I, I don't know. It's, Maybe we're just not old and grumpy enough. Like maybe I, in 10 years I mean, or 20 people, years we'll be the one people complaining. People complain about but... this
2: with baseball all the time. Yeah. And, and I still go back to, so you want less baseball. Yeah. Mind you, I am, you, you want to know my craziest hot baseball take? Allow, uh, I'll allow the mercy rule to exist.
3: Yeah. Well, if you don't want position play, if if a teams are already if a, if a manager is choosing yes. to put the position player on the mound, then allow then, them then to, just to, forfeit. You're fine. Allow them to, to yes. Allow to them to just end the game, concede. whatever. Yeah. Uh, Kenny in the chat says the only times I hear the complaint are when refs slow the game to a snail's pace. Yeah. What have we done about that? Nothing. Yes. a most, timer for replay. The biggest complaint, not just replay, the biggest complaint I have had about the length of a football game ever in my life was the third quarter between usc and arizona that one year when they threw 15 or 16 flags in one quarter like
2: here's the other thing if you if you added a timer for replay and i does the nfl have a timer for replay i want to say that when it first started at least
3: it did they started doing a thing called like expedited replay that is is because
2: i so here's the thing if they did a timer for replay and you could only like the replay could only be 60 seconds or less. Yeah. And they started just keeping things standing rather than actually fixing the problem because they couldn't get, couldn't see enough angles in the 60 seconds. People would bitch about that. Yeah. Like you, you can't, you can't solve the thing. Right. At at some points you, you, we, we can't figure this out. Although at the same, at the
3: same time,
2: if you can't tell if if it's a catch in sixty seconds or not,
3: then it, then, then just go stands. with what's on the field. There were some there were clips of XFL action started this weekend, and they have a transparent um, replay booth where they literally have like Dean Blandino in the in the the uh, the replay booth mic'd up explaining what's going on mm-hmm. and he's saying like pull up that angle pull up that you know I, I can't tell so that that's got to stand and it seemed like it was going kind of quick if you had to just have a ref who was yeah. like mic'd up and not, maybe not you wouldn't do the mic'd up thing but like if you just had a, a replay um hub or whatever and they just Wait, you mean a re- like
2: like a like what they do in hockey where it goes to Toronto to solve. Yeah, all- I
3: don't know if it's that because
2: the downside of that is what happens if there's three other games that are
3: all going to yes. Re- yeah, but with conferences, you sort of have it be by the conference.
2: It's still if you have four games happening at the same time and two of them are in reviews, Either suddenly way, if, things if, back up.
3: If the parameters were you have a replay official who's in their thing and they are looking at it and they see everything, you know. You either see it or you don't. Right. You either have the angles or you don't.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Either way, I I agree that Kenny's right. Like the the games take a long time because of things like replays and because uh, there is the twenty minute halftime. Like yeah. those 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 factor in uh, a, a lot more than you know stopping the clock after the incomplete passes. That's not what we need to be worried about. Uh, rapid fire because. We're trying to limit this one to uh, to a quick, hasty, one hour here because we've got uh, real life plans, real fun stuff. Uh, Kenny says Ohio State canceled their upcoming series with Washington. How likely do you think it is that the LSU SC game gets canceled uh, in twenty
3: twenty four? Um, I mean that's not something I considered. I think it's I think it's low. I think USC is not Washington uh, in terms of uh sort of like brand Mm matchups um you'd think that usc would be the one doing the canceling there and i can't imagine usc doing the canceling there
2: i don't think you cancel a one-off money game yeah i think you cancel a home and home series yeah so i think those are two different things plus i think if you're ohio state and you wanted to have those West coast trips for recruiting purposes. And suddenly now FC and UCLA are on the docket. I think it gives you, you can convince yourself that you can cancel that game yeah and get out of it that way does suck for, for Washington. Uh, it's like three or four teams have backed out. I think Michigan canceled their series, right. Or the COVID year canceled one of them. Like, yeah. Uh, they had like three different, you know, big opponents, and the only one to actually come in the last five years is is Michigan State. So, mm-hmm. big big bummer up there at Montlake. Ito says, uh, "How does Shane Lee fit into this puzzle with Cobb and Tackett um, battling out for the starting spots uh, this spring and fall?"
3: Uh, I inside I, linebacker. I think Gentry being injured also really benefits Shane Lee in the in the sense that like he can lock down a starting roll yeah. uh prove hey guys i'm healthy now i'm ready to go i can i can handle this and be the guy there next to to mason cobb um it really just will it just sort of it, it gives everyone who's there in the spring who has the potential to hold a starting job has the advantage now over over gentry um does that mean that gentry won't be able to fight back in fall no of course not but they will definitely be be involved I feel bad because I sort of overlooked Shane Lee. Um, I wasn't expecting him to be back. I was sort of thinking he would be a one-year deal. So it's a little bit weird to sort of factor him into this season. I need to get out of that habit of of sort of forgetting that he's there because he, it, he has been complimented heavily for his leadership in the locker room. Um, yeah. What we saw from him over the fall – He also had
2: missed like two or three seasons, right? So he
3: had, yes, and and also he played with an injury for for most of the season, and also maybe he is a player who will benefit from having better players around him too, because yeah, he was he was not great in in pass coverage, but he was was by far USC's best run defender. So yeah, he was really he was good at Alabama too. Yeah, yeah,
2: um. Uh, we got a message from uh, Vamihab who says, you guys do great and help me get through my workouts unless you talk soccer. Uh, we're not going to talk about soccer. Certainly there's no soccer worth being discussed right now.
3: <laughs> not for the Chelsea fan in the room.
2: Uh, no, I mean, not for the <laughs> Liverpool fan.
3: Hey, tomorrow you Liverpool play Real Madrid, and I will probably be just a sad panda for the rest of the day after watching that game. So, yeah, I'm not going uh,
2: to. West gonna Texas see. Mike says, I hate when a pit East Carolina game steps on the start of a sc first quarter. this is fair I agreed this is yes. fair yeah and you know. uh wrap this thing up with kenny say do you think the pac-12 is over or does it survive
3: the latest i'd I, seen is that they are uh on track they've sort of gone to the next steps to add san diego state and smu but they, they did
2: put out that that whole like nothing to see here thing and then all the tv rights are crumbling yeah it's been nice to not need to pay attention i i will say that but if the if the if the pac twelve does anything um, strong soon, it needs to merge with the big big twelve. So and the thing like is the make the pack sixteen that should have happened uh, you know thirteen years ago better late than never to jointly survive, right?
3: Yes, but I think that, that the the problem is like I don't see them coming together, the two conferences
2: for Because each think that the other one should come to them. Yes,
3: problem. exactly. So I think that we've already seen the Big Twelve add their people. And now we're seeing the big the Pac 12 add their people. And like I think both sides are gonna just be too stubborn to do what they what they should have done in the right. first place. And then by then it'll be too late. Do I think the Pac 12 is gonna crumble? No, I just think that they're going to cease to be a relevant football conference
2: yeah yeah I, I, it, it's all a bummer there's a lot of you know uh,
3: honestly i think we're probably like realistically guys we're just probably headed for a super league anyways like we can talk about the the pac 12 and the big 12 and what they can do to sort of slow the roll well, the, the, but the
2: super conferences it, are going to be here next year basically
3: yes but even more so in 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 like a in in that the big 10 sec sort of conglomerate will eventually it'll just move towards a a super league of, of only the marquee teams playing each other or something like that. I like, I don't know what it'll look like, but it feels inevitable that we're heading that way. Yeah. A reformation as it were of, uh, of, of the FBS sort of sphere, yeah. landscape, whatever.
2: It's all a bummer. Uh, I still feel weird about SCB in the, in the big 10, The only the the good thing is, uh, obviously, there's a lot of money involved for SC and a lot of talking points. It's going to be different. I think different will be fun in its own way, even if it's going to be sad to, you know, leave the likes of Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington teams that, you know we're used to you're used to and that's what SC football is so Mm -hmm. uh we will see how things go uh we will be back uh next week to preview uh the uh spring camp and go position by position look forward to that and again you can join us in the rot squad uh for for 4.99 a month help support the channel uh join our discord and get uh bonus content we're going to put out a video later this week uh, I think we're gonna play uh, a a game. Uh, I think we're gonna do a, a, a tier rank. So, uh, come join us over there on YouTube as well. So, until
0: then, uh, we will see you. See ya. See ya. See ya.